This is the My Michelle Live podcast. News and views. Here's Michelle. I'm Michelle Mendoza, and you're listening to the My Michelle Live podcast, where every day we have a different bent on issues, whether it's health, science, entertainment, sports. We still look for the God story, the deeper story. If there's a God, can we see his hand in all of this? And what does he have in store for us? That's what we do. And if you believe in sharing the God story, like and share this podcast. Let's get the word out. If you're new to this podcast, I'm a longtime radio talk show host that made the switch to podcasting. Why? Well, because of the freedom involved, because of the freedom of the things that we can talk about and a big reach to let people know that there is a good God out there and there is a great God story. So today we're saying goodbye to 2020 and good riddance. But as we stand on the precipice of 2021 with our little toes hanging over the edge, we're going, oh, I hope 2021 isn't looking back at 2020 and saying, here, hold my beer, babe, because uh, <laughs> things are going to get worse. No. So how much of your story is written in stone and how much of your story can you change is there a better narrative out there and how do you find it we'll be talking about that today on this news and views new year's eve edition of my michelle live first i wanted to take a look back a little year in review and look at some of the big trends from 2020 covid 19 lock it down we're in a pandemic Toilet paper sanitizer, did you just cough? Homeschool market fall, now I'm in a Zoom call. Shut down, canceled, we all got laid off. TikTok cans clean, Tom Nook made me quarantine. Joe Exotic travel ban, got 1200 Disneyland. Mojo UFO, drinking bleach, oh no. Mask your nose, distance woes, Kim Jong-un a no-show. Here are some of the big Google searches of 2020. If you're looking at news, number one, election results. Even more than coronavirus, people were worried about the election. The election, coronavirus, stimulus checks, unemployment, and Iran got stuffed in there as well. The biggest searches of the year, overall searches, same thing. Number one, the election, and number two, Corona. You got COVID-19. You got COVID-19. When the road looks rough ahead and you're laying there sweating in your hospital bed. 
just remember what the doctor said for you got some other things people really wanted to know about during 2020. How to cut men's hair at home. Not surprising. How to plop hair. What is plopping hair? We'll see if you Googled it, you'd find out that it's a crazy little name for a heat-free drying technique using like a t-shirt and conditioner. It's really good for curly girls and I use it. How to color your hair at home. How to style bangs. We couldn't go to the barber. We couldn't go to the beauty shop. We couldn't get our hair done. And so we went to the how-tos, some of the lost arts of how to take care of ourselves. The most surprising one, how to wash your hands. Didn't we learn that in kindergarten? Come on. Some things people wanted to know. What didn't people know in 2020 that they had to find out about? Big words like asymptomatic, pandemic, antebellum, entanglement. And people were looking at how to help. A lot of Google searches on Black Lives Matter, how to donate to Australian bushfires, how to donate blood. Google themselves put this out saying that the number one thing that people were searching for was the answer, why? The most human trait is to want to know why. And in a year that tested everyone around the world, why was searched more than ever. The spread of the coronavirus has passed a significant milestone. And while we didn't find all the answers, we kept asking. Well, here's a promise I make to you as we move into 2021 and bid a fond adieu to 2020. We will be looking for the why, the deeper story, the God story. It's what we do here. So maybe portions of our story is set in stone. Maybe some of the things that have happened in our world, yeah, they're real and we have to live through it and with it. But how much of that story can we see changed into something glorious? What if we can find real renewal? 2020 has us feeling like we're in a badly written work of fiction. Maybe like being in a sitcom about to be canceled (laughs) as we go into a new season. We're not so sure we want to continue. But what about your story? That's what I really wanted to get to today. We're standing on the precipice of a brand new year. And we're looking back going, what happened in 2020? What's happening to me? Few things can make us feel as stressed out, helpless, without hope, as living with a story we don't like. It's not just COVID concerns. The world is topsy-turvy, of course, but it's you. Have you had to deal with a business loss, a loss of a loved one, job problems, a diagnosis that breaks your heart, a dream that fell through at one time or another? We all deal with broken stories. But on this program, we look for what we call the God story. If there's a God, can we see him anywhere in all of this? Does he have hope for us personally? Because there's days when I'm sure you may have been like me. Is God even listening? Does he care about me? Is he there? We're going to dig into it and find a better story with our next guest, Heather Dixon. Heather M. Dixon has written a book. It's a Bible study, Renewed, 
finding hope when you don't like your story. Heather, thanks for joining us today. Oh, hey, Michelle. Thanks so much for having me on. And hey to everybody listening in. We're so glad you're here with us. Uh, hi, how did you tune in to the fact that we're all going to have broken stories in 2020? <laughs> oh, my gosh. That, you know, when I wrote this study, like we had no idea what was coming. And I remember, you know, we were in the process, like the very end stages of, you know, getting the book published. And my editor said, Heather, God was up to something with this that we had no idea because no one likes their story right now. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I wrote it for a very specific group of women in my ministry, you know, but, but you know, we, like no one likes their story right now. So it's very timely. God is, is kind of sneaky how he works that way. <sighs> oh my gosh. No kidding. And really, as you're listening right now, think about this. The Bible's there and it's got rich nuggets. Everybody uses little quotes from the Bible, whether they're believers or not. There's there's just mm -hmm. rich wisdom in there. It's it's true. When you can take that wisdom though and make it real to your life, mm -hmm. that's when you see the God story in your life. Now, Heather, who's joining us today, is a speaker, an author, a Bible teacher, uh, focusing on women, but to Today, as you're listening, there is a story in the book of Ruth that you base this Bible study on that really has application for all of our broken stories. But this is what's amazing about Ruth is looking at a story of women with totally broken stories mm -hmm. <laughs> where their story was just completely uprooted in a time where women had no value, really. There was no real yeah. worth to women mm -hmm. unless you were popping out kids. You really <laughs> didn't hold a lot of value. I mean, so this story is amazing to glean brokenness and find uh, a God story in. Yeah, you know, I, I Ruth has always been my favorite book of the Bible. Um, and I love it because it is set in this time period. You know, if you read through, you know, the Bible from cover to cover and you read through Judges and you get to the end of the Judges and you're like, oh my goodness, this world is crazy because Judges is just such a dark, uh, it's, a, you know, dark stories and dark setting. And then all of a sudden there's this beautiful little book of Ruth set right after the book of Judges. And it just offers so much hope. Um, and I think that, you know, when, when I think about, you know, living with stories that we don't like, you know, I mean, I was thinking about women who not just are walking through seasons of hardship, but are walking through life altering stories that they didn't choose and they can't change. And who is the poster child for that story in the Bible? And for me, it's always been Naomi um, from the book of Ruth. And so, you know, Ruth and Naomi and following their story, but really looking in to what Naomi's story has to teach us about how God works in the lives of people who are carrying these stories that they didn't choose and can't change. It just, I don't know, it's just this beautiful little story of hope and promise and renewal um, that brings, it has always brought me hope um, in my hard story just to say, you know what, God God is working and he's going to renew my hard story. So I just, I love the book of Ruth and it's so easy and quick to read, but there's so many nuggets of wisdom and hope found there. 
There's nuggets of wisdom, there's hope, and there's a lot of courage. It reminds me of the old serenity prayer. Now, this isn't, in case you're wondering, in the Bible, but boy, it's pretty cool. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. That to me, has always been the book of Ruth in a nutshell, because these women just didn't sit back and say, oh, this is God's will for me, and I'm just going to be miserable the rest of my life. No, they they looked for ways that they could intervene and, and change their story, improve their situation. They looked for wisdom from God to know the difference between the things they could change and couldn't. And my goodness, it took a lot of courage at times to do something you just don't feel comfortable doing, putting yourself way out there to change the narrative. Yeah, you know, I love that you said that, Michelle, because I think, you know, for those of us that are carrying these hard stories, I think some of the hardest things is when, you know, the hardest moments of that is when you feel like you don't have any control. And you know what? God is always in control. And, you know, God has ultimate control over this world and our lives, but he did give us free will. And so for me, the moments when I have struggled the most with my hard story are when I feel paralyzed because there's nothing I can can do. And I mean, so many of us probably can, can empathize with that feeling, especially this year in 2020, when like, there's not, there's not a whole lot we can do about COVID. Like it's out there and we just have to deal with it. And yes, the vaccines are coming, but it's still going to be slow and changing our day to day. And, you know, we can't change it. And so I think that the you know, the, the temptation is to feel paralyzed, to feel helpless. But you're right. Naomi and Ruth said, you know what? We can't change these things, but we can change this. And Naomi puts forth this, puts forth this, you know, fabulous plan to find Ruth a husband. And then, you know, of course, Boaz agrees to marry her and it changes their story. And I think, you know, when we have the courage to say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you with the things that I can't change, just like that serenity prayer. I'm going to trust you with the things that I can't change, and I'm going to move forward on the things that I can. And what happens is when we start to, like, to, you know, to combine our action and God's will and His plan over our lives, we have the courage to put one foot in front of the other. And then the next step feels even easier than the one before it. And it brings us out of that place of, you know, of paralyzing and uh, paralyzing helplessness. And we start to feel like, you know what, I, I can do this. With God, I can do this. And Naomi, her, her story teaches us that. And I, I love that. Serenity Prayer is perfect for this. Right. So let's talk a bit about this story for those who aren't into the Bible quite yet or those who need yeah. a little refresher. It's been a while since Sunday school, whatever it is. <laughs> let's just retell a little bit of the story and set the stage, because I think in hearing this, as you're listening, you're going to say, oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Some hardships yeah. there. I can relate. Yeah. So, and this is, I love for anyone who is, has, is not familiar with the Bible or who needs just like a short, like introduction to scripture. Ruth is the perfect book because it's four chapters. You can read it in an hour. It's such an easy story from start to finish that you can digest. But the short story of the book of Ruth is that there's this, this family that has moved from Bethlehem to a foreign land called Moab. And it's Naomi's family. 
And while she's there, she and her husband move, and then her two sons marry these two women, Orpa and Ruth. Well, Naomi's husband dies, and then her two sons die. And so she's left, here are these three women, left with no means of provision, no means of security, because back then women were dependent upon men for those things. And so Orpah stays with her family, but Ruth decides to travel back to Bethlehem with Naomi. And so they go back to Bethlehem and have got to figure out how to find provision, how to find long-term security. And, you know, what I love about this story is that you really watch Naomi's transformation, her heart change and her heart transformation, because in the beginning she says, you know, I, she called, she changed her name. She called herself bitter because she's so angry at God. And listen, for those of you listening, I have been there. When I read the book of Ruth, like I am Naomi, I have shouted at God to say, you have made my life bitter. Um, you know, and so I just love her. Raw wait, I'm going to yeah. stop you there and yeah. say, wait a minute. You, you, are you saying that God can handle that you know that God yes. doesn't just strike down lightning that God really wants a real relationship with us where we're not just saying yes everything's good and putting on the Sunday morning everything's just fine face but God can handle the the God I'm angry God I don't know where you are I can't believe you did this to me where are you he can handle that too huh Oh my gosh, Michelle, yes. Thank you so much for saying that because this is one of the most important things about Naomi's story that people often miss because she's she has a very raw and authentic expression of grief. And most people, like humans, like our indication is to judge her for that. And some people do. But I think when we start to look at how God responded to her, God didn't judge her for it. He didn't blame her for it. He didn't punish her for it. Quite the opposite. Like after her raw and authentic expression of grief, God starts to work in her details and he starts moving things to change and renew her life. And I think, you know, this is what I love about studying scriptures because oftentimes we want to place human tendencies on divine behavior. And, you know, so we think, oh, well, our response is to say, just like you said, you know, oftentimes how many times are we expected, uh, particularly as women, to say, you know, everything's fine. I'm fine. Nothing's fine. You know, it, it, we're going to move on and I'm not going to give myself permission to grieve. Um, why do we have that tendency? Somehow we have mistaken grief with a lack of faith. Um, and Naomi's story reminds yes. us, that, you know what? God is big enough to handle our grief, um, and he doesn't judge her for it. So maybe if we get into the habit of, you know, giving Naomi grace and seeing how God responds to her, then we might be able to give it to ourselves and to say, you know what? I have permission to say this is not okay, and God can handle it, and he's going to get me through this. But you have to take the time to say this is not okay, and that's okay. I wanted to linger on that for a moment. That is a yeah. lesson that many people are having to learn right now, especially women, but it's not just indicative of women. Uh, there's this idea of no more Christian nice girl. And the, right. the idea of that is saying, you know, we live in abusive sometimes situations. Mm -hmm. We may work in misogynistic conditions. We may mm -hmm. be treated a little bit differently. And we buck up to it because we're trying to be submissive, right? 
right? We're trying mm-hmm. to, we're, we're, we are built, we're built differently. We're built to please. We're built for relationship. We're built to try to make peace. That's part of our, our DNA, mostly as mm-hmm. women, but men ha- can have this too. We can find ourselves in churches where pride is overwhelming and the, the religious spirit is, is, uh, suffocating but we think we need to be submissive because well that's what we do it happens again and again and that's relationally heather it also happens in life too we think okay well this is just my lot and this is what i need to need to deal with and it goes back to that serenity prayer some of this god doesn't necessarily want to keep us in the muck and the mire that we feel that we're in in the heartbreak and the the brokenness god really does have a story and we saw that in the book of ruth in naomi's story and in ruth's story there was a better way. They just didn't sit there and feel sorry for themselves and think, oh, look what great faith I have by, by putting up with this. That's, that's exactly right. And I think, you know, some, sometimes, like, you know, we, for example, like if you go to church and you have, you know, you've had a moment, like, I, you know, I miscarried and I went to church and the Sunday after and I sobbed the entire time. And I think that there was a big piece of me that wanted to hide that and wanted to say, you know, I can't show, you know, my authentic emotions here in this place of worship because someone will think that I don't trust God. Oh my gosh, that is so true. Uh, Maybe you're listening, you can relate to that. It's like, I've I've said this again and again, Heather, it's like, we think we are God's PR uh, (laughs) representatives, and we've got to make God look good when we don't realize it's the other way around. We need God to make us look better. That's exactly, that's exactly right. And, you know, somehow we have equated, you know, emotion and authentic emotion with a lack of faith. And the two aren't mutually exclusive. You, you can have both. Like you can be grieving and also believe in God's sovereignty. And that's exactly what Naomi does. She grieves, but she also remembers God's in control. And here's, here's the example, though, like even if you don't want to take it from the book of Ruth, you can look at Jesus and his actions and his behavior, because, uh, you know, even he wept, you know, when he got news that his friend Lazarus um, was dying and he got there and he had died. Um, he knew right. that he was going to raise him in just a moment, but he still wept over his friend. And what that teaches us is that, you know, Jesus wept because he knows the reality of his broken world. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, that's not the only time that he grieves. Like, he grieves over the city of Israel. He grieves, you know, over what's coming for this world and for us as believers. And, you know, I think that an, an authentic expression of grief is an acknowledgement that we need Jesus. Um, and so I think we've forgotten how to lament. We've forgotten how to say, you know what, this is not the world, that, that the ultimate world that God planned. God is not just renewing Naomi's story. He's not just renewing our story. He's renewing our entire world. And so to pause and say, you know what, this isn't it. We're not there yet is an authentic way to say we need Jesus. And, you know, we trust that we're in this process of renewal. But in the time being, we have permission to grieve. If we're looking for this renewal, we have a little bit of hope because I think mm-hmm. many of us are looking at 2021 
thinking, yay, goodbye 2020. But we're also <laughs> thinking that 2021 might be saying, yeah, you, you, you saw what happened there. Wait, hold my beer. Because <laughs> we, there's some things out there that could be going on. And, and, and so we live with our, our toes kind of sticking over the edge going, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. But yeah. this is what I, I want to glean as we talk mm. today. We're in a story right? Mm -hmm. If mm -hmm. we read the end of the book, yeah, we win. It's like the, the story all comes together. But if you haven't, there was a, a fabulous line from a movie that I never mm. forgot. And it, it basically said, uh, you're going to, the, the story is going to turn out all right. If it hasn't, you're not at the end of your story yet. So, oh, you know, just keep, so keep, keep waiting. And so I was hoping that you could give us just a little bit of insight from the book of Ruth. Yeah. And we can find more as we pick up the book Renewed, Finding Hope When You Don't Like Your Story. It's a Bible study. There's also a DVD. We have links everywhere you can listen to this. You can pick it up. You can delve into the richness of a story that seem to fail, but have victory in the end, and it may have hope for you. Mm -hmm. But what do we do to start ourselves off on the right foot for 2021? Yeah, that's a fabulous question, Michelle, because the hardest part of living with stories that we don't like is living in them. Like, you know, we, we can look back and we can look forward, but when you're in that moment of the hard piece of that, that's, that's really, that's the hardest part because like you're, you're in it. Like, you know, things are going to change great, but we're not there yet. You can look back to the way things were when they were happy before and that's gone. So how do we live in this moment? And I think that we can look at the interior chapters of the book of Ruth and see what happens there for a little bit of clues as to how to help ourselves handle these moments of COVID and 2020 and 2021 and whatever's coming. Um, you know, because the bookend chapters are, you know, they, they're the beginning of a story and the end of a story, but in the middle, that's, that's where we are. And so what, you know, what, God teaches us in those chapters are number one, he's always working in our details. Like e even when we can't see what he's doing, we can see that in Naomi's story. In hindsight, it's 2020, right? So we can go back and read her story. And even though she couldn't see it in the moment, we can see how he's working. So I wonder if we started to train our minds, you know, train our minds to see with hindsight and to say, you know what? God is working in Naomi's story and her details. He's working in mine. And a year from now, if you and I had the same conversation, we will be able to say, you know what? God did this over the past 12 months or over the past three years. This is how he was working. I didn't see it then, but he was working. So train our minds to see and trust that God is working in our details. And the second piece of that is that action step of knowing, taking baby steps that we can change. You know, what is, look through your day, the next 24 hours, what is one thing that you can change today that would bring you greater peace, that would bring you greater joy? I mean, it could be as, as small as going to bed an hour earlier or taking a nap or reaching out to a friend that you know will encourage you. Like these small baby action steps like Naomi and Ruth take when they know, okay, God, you know, we, you know, they had no idea how it was going to turn out. 
but they're going to take one action step that gives them a feeling, a sense of control. And so I think, you know, those two things are just waiting and trusting that God's working in our details, looking for him in those details, and then taking baby steps of movement forward. And then I think we'll get down the road and realize, you know what, we, we did this. We, 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 we did this. You and I and God, and we did it and we're going to be okay. So those are just yeah. a few of the things I would say for hope good for stuff. 2021. Yes. And it is really good stuff when you think that one of the underlying stories of this book in the Bible is a relationship. You know, women, yeah. especially we need relationships. We can't get through unless we have uh, maybe a BFF or someone that we can stick close to reach out to people find that, yeah. you know, God has friends for you, really, it's, it's a truth. And the amazing courage, man, these women were brave. You they think were. of of uh, Naomi saying, okay, we're going to think of a way to uh, get that guy's attention. You know, laying at his bedside, <laughs> you know, can you imagine <laughs> doing that? Seriously. And this is what happened in the story. No kidding. Uh, yep. Naomi said, okay, Ruth, you're just going to, you're going to go uh, to, to his sleeping chambers you're going to just lay there by his bedside and you know get his attention and this wasn't this isn't sensual she wasn't you know wearing right uh victoria's secret crap or anything this was just <laughs> it was a, you know it was a little different but seriously heather can you imagine being that woman going this guy doesn't even really know me that well and i'm gonna go right i mean that's a little that's, oh my that's forward in this I, day and age let alone I back know. then what it the heck it totally is like they they really were i mean any anytime someone says you know oh the bible is misogynistic or it's you know it, it's you know poor towards women it's like have you really read it and read number one how jesus treats women but also how some of the women behave you know even in, in the old testament and i was like this is such a courageous step for them to say, you know, for Naomi to say, okay, we basically, she's saying, you know, we need food and we need provision and here's how we're going to get it. We're going to, we're going to handle this. And she's like, here's this plan, Ruth, you're going to get out of your morning clothes and you're going to go, you know, lay down at Boaz's feet and say, hi, I'm available to be, um, you know, to be married. Would you consider that? And she's bold enough to ask him that. I mean, crazy, crazy courage. I mean, listen, Michelle, I didn't even have the courage to tell the guy that I liked and call it. <laughs> I think you're cute. <laughs> you know? I mean, I, I would never have had that kind of courage. So yeah, I mean, just there's, there's such a reminder to those of us to say, you know what, you, you got this. You can you can take this baby step. It's going to be okay. So, you know, we can embrace that courage for sure. I am so loving it. I've recently gone through a big change. Uh, mm. work, uh, having worked in a very misogynistic uh, atmosphere without going into details because, you know, that's that's not cool. But uh, <laughs> it was it there was a lot that you can put up with because you think you're doing the right thing. And then somewhere yeah. along the line, God helps to see show you that he's got a path. He's got yeah. something for you. Sometimes you have to be brave enough to walk that path. And mm. here I am the queen of quoting things that maybe aren't scripture, but have some spiritual application. A friend of mine, <laughs> when I was at a precipice said, you know, God's ability to make things right is greater than your ability to screw things up. Now, uh -huh. 
if I wrote, so uh, if, if there was a book of Michelle, that would definitely be in it. <laughs> <laughs> because when we're saying, God, okay, I've done all I can. I've looked at every possibility. I'm asking you to give me guidance. I'm not sure what to do. But you can't go into the Bible and say, thus saith the Lord, Michelle on the 31st <laughs> of uh, December 2020 shall do this. You've got to make a decision sometimes. And so the best yeah. thing you can often do is say, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to lay down at Boaz's feet and we're just going to put it in God's hands and God's ability to make things right, to stop mm. me if it's something stupid, to yeah. bless me if it's something right is greater than my ability to mess things up. And let me tell you, Heather, you know, we've been mm. friends for what, 30 minutes now. Yeah. And I think you could already tell that my ability to mess things up is, is a big one. <laughs> oh my gosh. And mine too. Like your, your jaw would drop if I told you some of the things that I did, you know, in seasons of my life when I was reacting to the story that I didn't like. I mean, your, your jaw would drop, but still here I am. God still loves me. He forgave me. He's given me new purpose and new life and, you know, new things to work towards because I couldn't mess it up. And that's such a beautiful reminder uh, that, that we all need, you know, and, and, and this, is, this is like you said, I mean, Ruth is a relational book and it's not just between Ruth and Naomi, but it's between God and us. Like he's not, you know, he's not just throwing down these playbooks for us to see, you know, he, he wants us to try and figure this out and work with him and trust him that he'll fix things if we mess them up. And if we get it right, great, but just move forward with him, you know, just take that leap of faith. I want to thank you because the your ministry, your Bible mm. study, your writing, it's authentic and real. And I, oh, I'm not so. I'm not going to slam anything that is sweet and pie in the sky and it, Jesus wonderful. But man, I think right now, at least for me. I think many of us as well need that raw, real, authentic yeah. word, something that really reaches us in the pits. And I'm going to quote that that movie. Oh, once again, there she is quoting stuff. That, that movie quote it. again, it's from the <laughs> best exotic Marigold Hotel. And the quote is, everything will be all right in the end. If it's not all right, then it's not yet the end. I love that so much. God's got you. And twenty twenty one, bring it. I know, <laughs> Just right? Bring we, it. We can bring it. Baby baby steps and a little bit of faith. <laughs> we got this. We got this. We got this. Heather M. Dixon has been our guest. Um, she's she's now one of my friends because I really like her. She, I didn't give her a, a say in that, which was really not nice of me, but that kind of tells you a little bit more about my character. Pray for That's me. Okay. Heather, <laughs> Heather's book is Renewed, Finding Hope. When you don't like your story, it was written for the age that we're in hello but it was based on a story from thousands of years ago it's amazing mm -hmm. you can find a link everywhere you're hearing this and thank you thank you so much for being with us happy new year we oh, got this thanks, michelle you too my my friend michelle my new best friend <laughs> michelle thank you so much for having me on and thanks you guys for listening and, and hanging out with us today we're so thankful you're here Hey, it is New Year's Eve. We are looking at a brand new year. And when the clock strikes midnight, 
one second after hindsight will truly for the first time in history be 2020 what are we looking back on a crazy year are we looking forward to a blank slate to something that we can have joy in and know that the future is ahead well we're going to take this conversation in an interesting direction and it is going off the wall it's off the wall commentary let's take it off the wall And we are taking it off the wall with the one and only Mark Griswold. You find him at thepoliticobistro.com where he has some great writing, some thoughtful insights, some things that make you go, ah, okay, we need a little bit of that. Get out of the feeling, get into the thinking, and get into a new year, a new year. Carpe diem, Mark. Uh, yeah, a new year. Uh, that's completely arbitrary. In, in fact, of all the dates on the calendar, Great. January 1st is probably the most arbitrary. It doesn't really signify anything. I'm sorry to be a downer here, but I'm going to give you guys... <laughs> this is your uh, feel-good uh, segment yeah, of little, the program uh, today. <laughs> dose of reality. When, when the calendar turns over, guess what? You, you folks in Washington and California and Oregon will still be in lockdown. Uh, there will still be a virus. Uh, the election, to some extent, for some people, will still be up in the air, I guess. We will still live in a crazy world. It would be nice that if every time uh, the calendar turned January 1st, we got a completely fresh start. But uh, the article I've written for this week is the future actually is largely written in stone. We all like to talk about, oh, it's a fresh start. And you know what? Today's the first day of the rest of your life and new beginnings. Yeah, well, to some extent, you can write a little bit of your future that hasn't been written. You can change some things, but the decisions you start making when you're, you know, 15 or 16, those are going to make your path for the rest of your life. And the longer those decisions continue, uh, the longer they're going to be. So I guess the message today is uh, make sure you make good decisions. And if you make poor decisions, you got to stick with them and and uh, accept those to some extent as well. Well, yeah, you mentioned something in your article. Uh, if you lived the last, you know, forty years, thirty years, uh, pushing papers, working overtime, uh, chasing the secretary around the desk, and instead of chasing your kids on the playground, and then you expect to have a real close relationship with your kids in their adult life, it's not going to happen. So, you know, that that's part of the reality of what you're saying. And I know this sounds this sounds like, oh, well, thank you for the downer mark, uh, that the future might be written in stone to a degree. But we do have to face some of the reality. But here's the kick. And this is something that you get to as well in your article, that God has a plan. He says in Jeremiah, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to fail you, to give you a hope and to give you a future. There is something that's laid out in God. Well, we don't we don't need to play God. And we often say the ends justify the means. We can't know what the ends are. Only God does. So I wanted to talk about that crazy, awesome thing that only God can do, Mark, which which is to make something that's bad into something that can be glorious. He can use our failures for 
great success. He can indeed, and God does work miracles. I, I mentioned that in the article. Uh, but just to go one more on the, on the earlier point, if you jump off a cliff and then while you're falling, you say, God, you know what? I really wish I hadn't decided to commit suicide right now. You know, I guess a gust of wind could come and blow you into a tree and maybe you'll survive. There are things that happen like that. But you're probably uh, going to hit the ground. And, hey, if you're a believer and you believe in God and you, and you believe in his mercy, you're going to get to go to be with him in heaven. So that's nice. He was able to change that. But you're going to still splat on the ground. And again, yeah, like I said, if you don't pay attention to your kids for most of your life and then all, all of a sudden you want to have a relationship, well, you know, God can work miracles, and I actually speak from personal experience. My father and I were estranged for quite a number of years, and thankfully in the end, about the uh, final five years of his life, uh, he did come to Jesus, and we had a, a great relationship for the last five years. But I remember uh, a friend of his telling me after he died how my dad had come to him with a lot of regret that he had missed out on, you know, a good 20 years of life with me. Uh, so, you know, those are the consequences you have to um, use. But again, like you said, God can use everything, even the bad, uh, to good. So, you know, the, the plans for us to prosper, that might not look how we think. You know, the guy that spends all his time at work, Maybe he prospers financially. He gets the, the big corner office. He's making lots of money, but he has no relationship with his family. His, he's estranged from his kids. So did he prosper? Well, yeah, in one sense. And then the guy that didn't work so hard but spent more time with his family, he gave, he gave up on maybe a, a lot of money, but he was able to prosper with his family. Same thing with, you know, you think about Paul, the Apostle Paul, spent most of his life, the early part of his life, stoning Christians. Uh, but then it was that experience that helped him uh, pursue what became his life's goal of becoming the greatest uh, apostle and missionary that's ever lived and, uh, and spreading the good news. And of course, he went through many trials that maybe we wouldn't say were prosperous, you know, getting in shipwrecks, going to jail, all sorts of stuff. So yeah, God's definition of prosperity is different than ours. Check it. Only in God's economy and only with a God story do you hear such a contrary, downer kind of a subject be filled with such hope. And that's really what we look at when we look for the God story. Mark, uh, what you're what you're saying is, yeah, there's a lot of things that we're going to have to live with. You know, the, the, the things that we have set into motion, the mistakes we've made, they're there. They're real, but God can take the things in our lives and make them into something spectacular. We do have a hope. All things do work together for good. And in the that scripture, that word, all things, it is also the same word used for the entire cosmos. So all things, everything in the cosmos, no matter how small, no matter how large, work together for our good to them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose, God can turn around even the worst circumstance and make it into something beautiful when our hope is in him. Right. And I'll end with this. I talk about the future uh, being largely written in stone uh, in the midterm. So, you know, uh, 
Hmm. The, the, in the long term, God's history, uh, actually, that's written in stone. We know how it ends for us who believe uh, in Christianity and, and a lot of other religions as well. They believe the end times ultimately will be, bring about peace. You know, Jesus will come back, the new Jerusalem on earth. So that's written in stone, and that's good news. Uh, no matter what we do, Jesus and God prevail in the end. It's that midterm where, uh, you know, things are, are written and, you know, the rest of your life, the decisions you make today, they may affect the rest of your life, even your children's life. You know, the Bible talks about the sins of the father being uh, put on to the children to the third and fourth generation. So, yeah, you know, uh, a parent makes a poor choice that affects the child. Uh, so we got to keep that in mind. But, yeah, God uses everything for good, so we know in the long term that he will bring it about. Uh, but in the short decisions, because it just start over every January 1st. You bring that baggage with you, and you got to carry that baggage, and that baggage can be heavy. So, again, make good decisions the first time. Uh, cast all your cares on him, for he cares for you, and see what story you can write that can maybe right some of the wrongs that we've lived through in 2020 and before as we move forward into 2021. You can find Mark's writings, this article that we're referring to at the politicalbistro.com, politicalbistro.com. And of course, we've got a link everywhere you are listening to this podcast. It's all about the God story. That's what we look for. So as you listen, share, like, tell your friends. It's a way to share the God story and get people thinking in a real way. We're talking real, authentic, uh, unpolished, relatable Jesus. Let's share it. Thanks so much, Mark. Good to hang with you. Happy New Year, Thank my you friend. as always. Happy New Year. So it's Off the Wall Commentary. Let's take it off the wall. Christian Headline News, looking at faith news, news from the faith world to help us understand ourselves and our society a little bit better. Lisa J, news us up. Well, do I have some incredible stories for you today, Michelle? They're both positive and uplifting, which I think leaving 2020, we need that more than ever. So this first one involves 200 young people coming to Christ, and it was because they needed hope. And this story is by CBN. The big tent isn't up yet, but so far evangelist D.R. Harrison says around 200 people have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And most of them are between the ages of 13 and 20. The pastor called back earlier in the year and invited us to come and they've been praying and seeking the face of God. And from the first service, the power of God began to fall in this town. And literally teenagers are coming from everywhere, from all backgrounds, social statuses, high school, middle school. And the church is literally packed out with teens every night searching for hope in Jesus Christ. The town is Swainsboro, Georgia, about 90 miles northwest of Savannah, and the church is Hillcrest Baptist Church. Harrison says teens continue to bring their friends. And then they're coming and they're getting saved. We've experienced kids laying their drugs on the altar, their vapes on the altar, and then immediately after getting saved, going out and standing on the streets, holding signs, saying, Jesus loves you. Jesus changed my life. Come to revival and, and get help yourself. I mean, just it's unbelievable what God is doing in these young people in this town of Swainsboro, Georgia. 
great story, Lisa. Thanks. I love happy God positive stories. So that one was a big one for me. This next one is going to make your heart melt. This is a story from CNN, and it is about a seven-year-old boy who went back into a burning building to save his 22-month-old baby sister. Take a listen to this story. Shortly after the Davidson family went to sleep, their house caught on fire. Everyone was able to make it out safely, but that's because Eli, at just seven years old, went back into the flames to save his 22-month-old sister who was sleeping in her crib. Nicole Davison, Eli's mother, says she woke up in the middle of the night to smoke and flames coming from the living room. She and her husband tried to put it out and get the children to safety, but they could not get to their 22-month-old daughter's room from the inside. That's when Eli helped to rescue her from the outside. Well, Dad bust the window, and then, and then I said, I can't do it about two times, and then, and then I said, and then I said, I got her, Dad. And then, and when we got down there, I said, I said that I, I was scared, but I didn't want my sister to die. How sweet is that? Super sweet. I don't even know, faced with the fire and how scary that would be, it would be hard for me to go back into a burning building. So God bless the seven-year-old little boy who saved a sister's life. So I hope you guys like the Christian Headline News Stories for this week, and I will try to keep the good ones coming. Lisa J., our associate producer, thank you. You've been listening to News and Views. Check out more at MyMichelleLive.com.